Welcome to the Crave Magazine Podcast, feeding your soul with art. What is life if you don't have art? Give your art to the world because the world needs that. Embrace mentors. Look at the people who have already done what you've done. If you have enough discipline and enough focus, then you're able to achieve what you want to achieve. Sometimes you have to stand out to fit in. Follow your passion and the universe brings more and more gifts into your life. Today on the podcast, I'm here with Kara Dupree. She is a Las Vegas native who has been living in Colorado for many years and traveling the world. She is an event producer and the co-founder of Moxie Lux Productions along with her partner, Derek Payne. Moxie is an immersive event company and they finished a large event recently in Denver, which we will talk about more. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to have you here. Uh, let's start off with an inspiration, something that inspires you, whether it's a quote or an artist or um, just something that you carry with you. Sure. Uh, yeah. Um, the, my favorite quote is by Paulo Coelho from The Alchemist. And the quote is, when you're on the right path, the world will conspire to help you. When you're on the right path, Mm -hmm. the world will conspire to help you. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? I think that there's so many paths that I've tried taking before, and I just felt like there was a lot of road bumps, and I've had to make a lot of detours to figure out what the right path is for me. And for me, hosting and putting on and producing the event, Ordinary World, if I wasn't on the right path, none of that would have happened. There was a lot of luck involved. There was a lot of serendipitous um, events that involved and even um, meeting people that um, was just truly magical and very lucky. And I only attribute that because I'm in my element and therefore I'm on on the right path. I I think uh, today you hear a lot about like the universe inspiring to to work for you and if you it, like mm-hmm. like you said if you're on the, the path that you're supposed to be on if you're mm-hmm. doing what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. life seems to be a lot easier definitely I I kind of went into this thinking I'm just gonna give it a shot and if and it's if it's not gonna work then I'll find out pretty quickly if it's not gonna work and sure. it was completely the opposite it just kind of snowballed into something bigger and better than I would have imagined and that's when I knew I was on the right path yeah cool well let's let's dive into your story uh, a little bit more. The, uh, this is a different podcast from what I normally do. I normally talk <laughs> to artists or art influencers, and the reason I wanted to talk to you is because um, the event that you guys put on was was very artistic and art immersive, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll talk about more. But before we get into that, let's hear your story. Tell us how you got started in this project and in this mm-hmm. platform, and, and tell us about you. So probably about twenty years ago, when I was in college, I realized that I just, I, I was really interested in hearing music in my room by myself and I just had a lot of visuals and I just remember thinking to myself, this would be really cool on stage, the lighting was like this and the choreography was like this and the crowd could interact and it wasn't just a two-dimensional situation where you were drinking, listening to music and watching something, but more it was just more immersive. And so I never knew what immersive was back then, but I always had the idea of one day wanting to be in an experience where things were happening around me and it was just pure eye candy and I could involve myself in experiences or I can be an observer. Mm -hmm. And that's where this kind of grew. And I would listen to music for the past 20 years, different songs, and I would just say, oh, wouldn't it be great if, 
if this was happening, um, almost as if I was designing some sort of tour, like Beyonce tour, and like what the stage would look like, that sort of thing. Yeah. And so I always had that in my mind, but I never, I wasn't on that path at the time, but that was always secret, secretively a lot of thoughts and kind of fantasies that I would have personally just listening to music. How did you come up with that? Uh with Moxie Lux? It's <laughs> a great question. So when I was um, really just starting this company, somebody that I know called me Moxie, and he said you had a lot of Moxie, and yeah. I never knew what that meant. And I actually <laughs> had to look it up, and I thought, that is the most badass like compliment ever. Yeah. And when you look it up on quote-unquote Urban Dictionary, it talks about you having a lot of balls and being sassy and sexy and I thought, that's exactly what I want this company to be. It's yeah. just, you know, that st strong element of being sassy and, um, and just having a lot of um, cojones, <laughs> if you and, will. And then the luxe comes from, like, luxury? Yes, correct. So you, you want to be a, a company with balls and luxury. <laughs> you got Luxury it. balls. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard it put that way, but yes. <laughs> so this Ordinary World that you mentioned, this was mm -hmm. the event that you guys put on uh, recently. Mm -hmm. I normally ask people about their successes. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about this particular event from like a success standpoint. Um, I think really the success of this event had a lot to do with my performers and my coordinators telling me that it was flawless. You just don't hear that with events and I was really expecting that I would hear all the behind the scenes the next day and all these things would have gone wrong but I had the, obviously the right professionals in place to make sure that none of the guests saw that and I got the quite the opposite reaction I Angel my um, operations manager told me Kara it was flawless like we had very little details that we really had to worry about and it was just truly the best event I've ever worked and to me that was the best compliment and the other compliments that I got were just from guests that had just very unique and different experiences I know that I heard from one of my actors that um, she gave an experience to a guest and they just cried as in you know just it being a very spiritual moment for them so I love hearing all these little stories after the event from different guests and my actors and my performers that tell me about people's experiences and that's exactly what I what I envisioned is that a couple could go to my party and go home in the same car and talk about their experiences and have two totally completely different experiences from the immersive party that we threw and I, it sounds like to me that was very successful from all the stories that I've heard. What was your vision as far as like bringing together different artistic elements? So my vision was, I knew that I wanted Ariel. I had, there were certain songs in my mind that I thought this would be great to have Ariel mixed in with this pop and lock performance. And like I said, when I hear songs, I have very strong visuals of how that looks. And so that's how that kind of came into fruition. There was a few artists there, like Catherine Crockett from New York City. She's very famous for um, immersive um, shows that she performs out there, including Queen of the Night. And she came out with her own um, performance that I was very little involved with. But what's so cool about it is when her and I first spoke about a year ago about my idea, her performance piece called Angel by Massive Attack was so in line with what my show was. I was it just was a perfect marriage of that. And that's really how a lot of the performances came together was it was just meant to be and so I let her kind of take over and she just did a fantastic job and I had Moth Poetic Circus who I met here in Denver and they brought in um, some Cirque du Soleil um, performers and they just did a fantastic job as well and 
I gave them the song Ordinary World sung by Joy Williams mm -hmm. and they just did a beautiful job and that piece of it people thought was some of their favorites because it was a very romantic piece so we had a lot of pieces that were high energy sexy but then we had these like really beautiful romantic spiritual pieces as well so everyone got a little taste of everything yeah and so you you didn't have just local performers, you had performers that you brought in. Yes, so I brought in performers from New York City and from Las Vegas. How did you end up bringing them all together to come to Denver? Again, everything has been super serendipitous. Um, they're Back actually, to the quote. Yeah. <laughs> There's a story um, that I tell a lot. Um, I went to church for the first time. Um, I was trying to find a church for my daughter and I to go to, and it was right when I started Moxie, and I was just feeling like I need, I was like, I need help, like this is really overwhelming, and I went, tried out this church, and I remember sitting in church thinking, okay, I should be listening to what they're saying, but I can only think about where the heck am I gonna get my aerialist, and because I had been looking <laughs> so hard, and then after church ended, I went to go get coffee, they have this coffee bar there, and this woman comes up to me, and she's asking me all about, what do you do for work? And I thought, oh gosh, this is going to be interesting to describe this to somebody at church. And I told her, and she says, oh my gosh, you need to meet your new best friend, Yukoya. And I was like, <laughs> who? And this was a girl who is an aerialist, a worldwide aerialist. Like she travels the world and teaches aerial. And she just moved to Denver. It was her first day at church, and that's my aerialist. That sounds very serendipitous. Yeah, <laughs> and sure. because of Yukoya, I therefore met Moth Poetic Circus, and I met Moth Poetic Circus, I met Catherine Crockett, and everything truly snowballed from meeting Yukoya and just being at the right place at the right time. And like yeah. I said, when you're on the right path, things will come to you naturally and organically, and that's sure. exactly what happened. I'm getting chills like right now just thinking <laughs> about it. <laughs> so this was your your first event here in Denver. Correct. And I'm curious as to some of the challenges that you had that you've overcame in putting it together. You know, I think for me the challenge was not, you know, doing everything by myself. So, for instance, I, I wish I would have had an admin to help me with the contract portion because I had my hands in everything from contracts to the performers to venue stuff and I think um, that at, there was a point a couple weeks ago that it got really overwhelming for me but once um, the admin stuff was complete I, it was almost like smooth sailing from there so yeah. that was really my only challenge I fortunately was so lucky to be working with so many great professionals that I really didn't have any big challenges and I, you know you and I spoke before that if anything wasn't quite working out, I just let it be. I was never stressed if something didn't work out because I thought, well, it, they're not. This person's not meant to be a part of this performance. And so, what ended up happening is, if something didn't work out, something better came along, and that was my yes. attitude the entire time. And we really, we just didn't have very many issues, and we just were really lucky for that. I also noticed, and I, I realize now why it happens. So many events that uh, people go to you know event starts at 10 o'clock and or whatever mm -hmm. time it is and and it's a half hour late or whatever mm -hmm. and I realized that the reason I think the reason that the event you were able to keep it on time and make it happen on time mm -hmm. is because you very clearly said the doors close at 9 30 mm -hmm. like be here or you're gonna miss out correct because you didn't want to disrupt the performers right I thought that was really brilliant well, I wanted people to treat this like a show versus just a party. And really, right. to me, it, it was a, more of a show than a party. And that 
was very important to me that people were on time and I did make it very explicit that you will have you know so many more opportunities for some immersive experiences if you show up at eight o'clock and right. luckily we had I mean I was looking at pictures of the show and I looked at the timestamp and some of them were like at 8 30 and it looked like a pop and party at 8 30 p.m. I mean that's unheard of so people did they were on time they great. That. especially if you're like the doors are gonna be closed yeah. you can't get in yeah for sure right and I think that was like I said I think that was brilliant in that you know all too often someone goes oh and there's an event and it goes from eight o'clock till midnight or whatever time, mm-hmm. I can show up at 10 or 11. And usually, and going out, mm-hmm. I don't think it's so much here as it is maybe in Europe, but people go out later. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm gonna go out at 10 or 11, even. It's it's similar here as well. Um, I had a few people ask me that weren't familiar with the fact that we were closing doors at 9.30, and they said, well, I'm having people come at 10 or 11. And I said, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna miss it out. And they said, it. "Well, they don't know that." I said, "Oh, but they will because it is. Very, it was very clear in tickets that you know this was a show, and and then they thought, oh, wow, that's great.' <laughs> you know, so right. all of a sudden, this was a night out. I wanted to make the show late enough where people could get their dinner in beforehand, and then could go directly to what you know, go directly to the show. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a really good mix of of entertainment and party, mm-hmm. and then more entertainment, and then more party. So I thought that was a really Really Thank good you. mix in the show. What's one big lesson that you learned from this event? It's mm, a good question. I told you I'm going to ask you the hard ones. Right. We're just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> you, you did say that. Um, one big lesson, I think, would be I need to be less focused on the minutiae and probably be more focused on the bigger picture and we're looking at hiring somebody for the smaller things like more the admin type stuff so that I could really have a lot more focus on the bigger picture items and really that that was pretty much it we do have Angel Granary who will be coming out here to do to help me with that and so we've kind of solidified that but um, for me my element is truly the art of the performance and integrating it with the guests and the immersive activities and that's where I want to kind of keep it at. Yeah. Before we started recording you talked about the lighting and and how you you have these different elements that you really like. Mm -hmm. And so is that what you sort of build the event around? Like hey I like performance, I like the aerialist, I like great lighting. These are different elements that I'm really into so is that Kind of how you um, built the event? The, this particular past event, Ordinary World, was more built around um, the song choices and the visuals of the performances. Okay. And so that's what that was built around. But where I, the direction that I eventually want to go into is, is more the lighting. There is a woman who specializes that. Her name's S. Devlin that we spoke about briefly. And she has a beautiful documentary on Netflix. And she is just a genius at lighting and integrating and uh, making these amazing sets. And that, to me, is the direction that I want to go into. It would be almost like creating a meow wolf atmosphere for the for the party environment. A meow wolf? Mm-hmm. Can you explain that? Too? So meow wolf is um, a place in Santa Fe that is an interactive art exhibit that I believe one of the producers of Game of Thrones created and they're actually coming out here to Denver. I think they're I think they are in Denver and they're trying to get started here. Okay. But it's a very huge I haven't even been there yet. I've just seen pictures I've and heard, heard of it. Yeah, I've just heard so much about it. And we are planning a little moxie trip down there to go check it out. But from what I hear and see from pictures, that's definitely the direction I want to go into as far as in this like party experience environment. Okay. 
what is it that you love most about the arts? I think the feeling that people get from art is, for me personally, that's where my love for art lies, is being able to give somebody a feeling that is inspirational or or um, maybe a memory that they forgot about. And part of the immersive acting that we had going on, I mean, people were reminded, um, you know, of their experiences. Like Catherine Crockett took a couple, I don't know if you were one of the couples, but she would take a couple back and she would talk to them and say, close your eyes, now remember the first, remember the moment that you guys had your first kiss. And then she would give them a rose petal and they'd have to put the rose petal up to their face and just have this like really magical moment. And these are the moments that I think art can create. And I, I was a fine art major and more of the photography um, in college, but, and I remember one of my finals was we had to do this art, you know, just, I mean, it was basic photography and people just went around and looked at the photos. And what I did was I did a slideshow to music, this really sexy Madonna song. And I will never forget because the guys were walking out like, wow, I never felt that at a final. <laughs> so, and so when I look back, I realize, ah, I was always there. I was always supposed yeah. to do this. Yeah. But I loved giving people that. It's For me, it's about giving people the experience through art. It's not just about looking at a painting and saying, oh, that's pretty or that's nice or interesting. It's about giving them something to take away. I think I was just having this girl. She blindfolded me. Oh, yeah. And she, she guided me someplace that uh-huh. I had no idea where I was. <laughs> And then she put headphones on me. Yes, that's uh, Janet. <laughs> and then she sung to me. Yes. And it was it was beautiful and it was ethereal. Uh-huh. And it was trippy. Yes. And then she took she finished singing and she took the headphones off and led me back to where she found me and took the blindfold off. And I was like, what just happened? Like that was the most amazing thing that I ever experienced. It was so, so weird and different. Yes. And it was awesome. And her voice was beautiful. And she mm-hmm. sung and it was very, like I said, it was very ethereal. It was almost like distant. So you actually, what she did for you is we had these earphones that were, it was an app that distorts noise. So that's why it sounded different to you. Yeah. It wasn't just somebody singing in a microphone and you were hearing it in your earphones. There was, it was actually distorted. Yeah. Her voice sounded very, very angelic. Like almost, yeah. And almost like you were in this like tunnel, right? Yeah. It was was distant. (laughs) It was like she was singing from the other side of a tunnel. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. I'm great. so glad you had that experience because I, you know, a lot of people didn't even know that that was going on. That's just one of the many experiences we well, had. I, and I saw someone blindfolding people and taking them around. Mm-hmm. And somebody came downstairs with a blindfold on and then didn't, I guess, didn't want to do it or or whatever, mm-hmm. like right. backed out. And so I was like, I want to do that. What are you doing? <laughs> and so she took me upstairs yeah. and blindfolded me and went to the. Pro- it was it was oh. that was unique, very unique. So. That's awesome. I'm glad you had that experience. Yeah, that was very fun. Something new that I just learned is that you said that you were a, a fine arts major in photography. Mm-hmm. And had you ever worked as an artist before? Or? Um, not, not on this level. I think when I got out of college, I mean, I was on the track to. I was all about making money and being in the corp, climbing the corporate ladder, and that's kind of where I thought I should be going. I didn't really have the moxie, if you will, <laughs> to really do what I'm doing now, and I think. You know, I just turned 40, and I th- I call this my midlife crisis. I finally was like, I've had this idea for 20 years. I never had the confidence to pull it off or to do it because I was too worried about, you know, making a living for me, my daughter and I. And there just came a point where I said, you know, it's now or never. Yeah. And here we are. Well, I'm glad you 
<laughs> Roger, you. diving into it. I think people should always live their passion. And, and but it's harder. It's hard when you. It's, that, that, that's easier said than done, correct? Right. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think all too often those of us like when we're young, we don't. We may have an idea of what we want to do, but we don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so we get, like you, got caught up in the mm-hmm. sales world or making a living or yep. whatever. And so, Absolutely. What's one piece of advice you would give to someone who's starting out, who, who wants to do this kind of thing? You know, I would say that, you know, again, my quote of like, when you're on the right path, you know, the world will conspire to help you. You need to find your right path and your passion and go for it and the people that you will meet along the way are just absolutely amazing um i think keeping authentic to your vision is extremely key and not letting anyone detour you because my vision and what i'm doing everyone not, there's not one person that says oh my gosh i know exactly what you're doing everyone's like wow I've never seen this before and it's because it's my vision and i won't detour from that because if i were to detour from what i'm doing right now i would be uh, i would just be a party thrower sure so i need to be very careful with that and so you know my advice is to just stick with your vision and be let everything organically happen. Um, I never said I have to have A, B, C, and D for this. I just kind of let things evolve as they were supposed to evolve, and it just became something very beautiful. Yeah. And I think I've just had the right people involved in this, and everybody has had... I've, I've been very open to people's input. Uh, people were very shocked. A lot of my performers were a little bit shocked because they're so used to be given, like, you know, very, very clear directions even my set designer was just amazed that I was just giving her so much leeway but I wanted people to own their art I wanted to bring artists together and just say okay here's my overall vision but you guys are artists this is special for you guys so Mm -hmm. you guys make this your own and when I had a meeting in the green room before you know the performances were to start I think this was around 7 30 I told people, I said, you know, this is not just about my guests having a great time. This is equally about you guys having a great time. And this is about your connection with every human being here. You make this your own. There are no mistakes. You guys will not make one mistake here because you are all meant to be here for a reason. And this is really important that these artists were able to express their own art and just do some really creative things with it. And I think they really appreciated that. I liked how you had the, the artist also interact mm-hmm. with the crowd, both before they performed and after. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes it more than just an event. <laughs> the noise you hear in the background is the little dog Maddox <laughs> running around, playing and everything, <laughs> being, being a dog. Um, but like a lot of times in an event, there'll be a performance. And when the performance is over, the crowd disperses. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay, that was great. And now I'm going home or I'm done mm-hmm. or whatever. And we didn't stay till the end of the night, but notice that we stayed like an hour or so afterwards and people were still there. There was a, mm-hmm. a large crowd that stayed there and you had the the artists, after they performed, they came out and interacted with, continued to interact with the crowd. Correct. Which I thought was really, uh, really good and very different. Yeah, and I think that is definitely my vision for this being an immersive party is that you know, you are being, you know, guests are able to interact with the artists and talk to them and get their, you know, feedback. And for people like you that had the experience that you did with Janet, some people went up to her later and, you know, 
were able to talk to her about their experiences or when they had experience with Catherine, they were able to say, wow, you knew where I was in, our, in my relationship and it's, that's just amazing. And Catherine's like, actually, no, I didn't, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine was the... Catherine was, um, she was the main immersive show, so she had the big wings. Mm-hmm. Um, she did the performance um, Angel by Massive Attack. But she was definitely one of the performers that have, she's probably the most... Um, knowledgeable about immersive um, experiences and she brings a lot of experience of that to the table so she did uh, these one-on-ones specifically with Roz Gannat um, he was one of our one-on-ones that I know about um, that she would take you know took him in the back and she did this elaborate immersive activity with him oh cool yeah being an art podcast and the art the event was all about performance art mm-hmm. and who are three artists, or one or two artists even, that inspire you? Um, I think um, on the immersive side, it would be Cynthia Von Bueller. She is in New York City. She hosts um, very elaborate immersive parties that I personally have not gone to, but I've, re- I've researched a lot about her before I started this. Catherine Crockett, who I had in my, um, uh, in my performance piece with Angel, she um, is actually going to be performing for Cynthia Van Bueller in the Illuminati Ball in New York City. So um, she is definitely an inspiration to me. Yeah. Um, and then the other person would be S. Devlin. Um, S. Devlin is just a, a genius at set design and lighting and just really creates these elaborate sets that just really take people on this euphoric journey. And I'm really inspired by that. Is that the direction that you want to take? Moxie, or, or a better question would be, mm-hmm. what direction do you want to take? <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> um, we've decided to, we would like to keep these Moxie Lux parties very intimate and very high end um, upscale. We also want to create, um, we've been approached by a few people that want to do um, large festivals with us. And maybe we take like a piece of the VIP of that festival and we make it a Moxie VIP. So, um, we want to kind of get our hands in different events, but still have a little bit of our stamp on it. Sure. So there might be somebody who is interested in, you know, having us coordinate and produce their wedding and have these really amazing, fun elements to it. And we're open to that as well, as well as corporate events, mm-hmm. um, just ho- hosting very elaborate, maybe Christmas party or, or something to that effect. Okay. But I think I'll always keep my little Moxie Lux parties as, you know, maybe quarterly events yeah. that happen. What's one thing that, about the event that you would change if you could, looking back? Um, I don't know that there's anything I would change. I have no regrets. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. And let's go deep. <laughs> immersive. You ready to go? That's right. Let's get immersed here in this. So a question I'd like to ask artists but I, I'm going to ask you as well especially since now we know that we have you have a fine art background mm-hmm. um, why should we care about art art is a segue to a spiritual dimension that sometimes we forget that we have I think that art is Describe. I mean, it could be anything. It could be music. It could be visual. It could be a feeling. It's. I think that it's so important that we are able to connect with that, um, because it's almost. It could be your. Own, it could be a type of religion for people. If you're not a religious person, maybe your outlet is art, and that's where you know you can be. Um, 
connect you can connect with whatever you need to connect with whether it be a higher being the earth you know people to me it's about connection to something and that's what human beings are all about is we need to be connected to something so art connects us to each other mm-hmm. of course yeah. yeah I agree I agree totally to or everything <laughs> art connects us to everything mm-hmm. we didn't talk much about before you became uh, before you became an event producer but you had talked before we got on air that um, you were involved in sales. Mm-hmm. How did you make that transition from from your corporate life or mm-hmm. your previous life into this is what I'm going to do? You know, I, I I ended up the last couple jobs I had were in oil and gas, and they were so the decisions that were being made on my behalf were not in my control, and I just got so frustrated that no matter how hard I worked or how successful I was at that, there were just these things that were just out of my control. And so I just got to a point where I was completely apathetic to my job situation. And I just said, you know what? I don't even care anymore. I need to do something that I can control. Yeah. And ironically, this is not something that you would think I could control, <laughs> but at least it was something that I was passionate about and I thought, you know, I went into this thinking I w- I would regret not trying this, but I wouldn't regret regret it if I failed at it. And okay. that's really how I went into this. I think that's a great um, moniker for life, like mm-hmm. I'd regret it if I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. But to do it and fail, like I think people are very afraid to fail, and so they, they, that's what holds people back. Well, a lot of people ask, they said, "Oh, you're so brave um, to do this," and it really, I look back, I'm like, "No, I wasn't brave. I was just so apathetic about life at the time that I was like, screw this, like <laughs> I'm diving in." <laughs> but I had to get to that point to do this. Had I not had those situations with previous jobs, I would never have gotten to the point that I'm at right now, where I did dive into something that I had talked about. In fact, if you know a lot of my friends, they will say, oh my gosh, you've been talking about this forever. You know, and now it finally came to light. And so I hope that that inspires people. That's cool. If you had 60 seconds with uh, 20-year-old Kara, what advice would you give to her? I thought about this question. It came up the other day, and I almost and I didn't even want to answer it. (laughs) (laughs) We're not putting you on the spot. I know. I have to answer it. I know. I think that if I were to give myself advice, I would say that you know you are your limitation. So you are the one setting your limits. And my interpretation of success back then is very different than my interpretation of success today. And I wish that I would have just gone with my passion and just really dove into what I really wanted to do without worrying about how much money I was making or being powerful in the corporate world. I really wish I would have had more direction on being who I was, you know, authentically and going with that. Do you think you would have listened to that advice? I don't know. I really don't. And you know, the thing is, is I, I remember starting to look back and thinking, gosh, I just wish I would have started this 20 years ago. But when I mentioned that to certain people, they said, Kara, nobody was ready for this 20 years ago. So I do feel like things happen for a reason. And I also feel I like I wasn't in a place to do what I'm doing. Like the reason why this particular event was as organized as it was 
and why I got along with everybody that was involved as far as performances for performers go is because I was able to take all of the tools that I learned from the corporate world and apply them to this. So sure. then I had my artistic background and my vision, but I also had garnered the organizational skills and the people skills and all those you know things that come along with you know running a business that a lot of artists don't have right so I can't even go back and say I regret not starting this 20 years ago because I don't think this particular event would have been successful had I done it you talked about yeah difference in your vision of success when you're 20 versus today what what are those differences what was your vision of success then and Oh, we feel it. So I went to boarding school, and I remember a lot of us were, you know, very, very much go getters, and we were sitting around and talking about where we saw each other in twenty years. And every single one of my friends said, "Oh, you're going to be in a high rise in New York City, owning some large corporation." And that's truly like was my goal. Like that's what I there. That's where I thought I was going to be, and that's what my interpretation of success was. Mm. And now, um, my interpretation of success is doing what I want in a way that's giving back to people. Doing what you want in a way that's giving back to people. So, which is a good lead into my next question, which was, what do you hope to give to the world? Uh, usually it's, what do you hope to give to the world as an artist? But mm -hmm. here as an event producer, what do you hope to give to the world? In this I want to give people um, insight, experiences that lead to um, inspiration and actions that, that come about from being so inspired and maybe maybe they come to my event and they said I was scared to do this but now I've seen this and something's opened up in me now I want to go do this now I I hope to inspire people to really find who they authentically are and and really go for that and understand how important that is and how important they are and how beautiful people are I want people to feel beautiful when they're at my events it doesn't matter what size you are or what you look like it's how you feel and how you're treated by people um, that's why when I have my actors really engaging with people I want them to be finding people that look a little timid or look like they're out of their element a little bit and making them feel comfortable and making them feel beautiful because we all deserve that yeah absolutely I think it going to any event people are a little standoffish at first mm -hmm. and so you did do a good job of, of kind of including the crowd, including the guests, and pulling them mm -hmm. into it, and um, everybody seemed like they were having a great time. And also, my actors were easily able to read people. I mean, they've told me situations where, you know, there are people that were open arms, like, yeah, come play with me, and then there's other people that were pretending that they didn't see them, and oh, don't call on me, and so right. we had different activities for different people. So one of my actresses said that there was a couple that was very timid, and it didn't want... A diff, you know the immersive experience for instance that you had with the blindfold because yeah. that can be really scary to people so she actually gave them out of a basket two envelopes and they opened up the envelopes and there were these little strips of paper with words on them and they had to put together a quote mm -hmm. or a poem and she goes that was lovely they loved that they loved the fact that they could be a part of something but it was comfortable to them so we had immersive activities on that you know very low you know I don't want to say low levels but very um, not let's just say not as fully engaging and as immersive yeah. and some of the higher end ones I think I met those people on a um, by the bar and they had they had the paper that I was looking to see if I had a photo I didn't I took a picture with my camera not with my phone mm -hmm. uh, but they had this really cool I don't remember what it said but it was this they had 
put together the paper to make this really cool quote. Right. I also saw some a couple that had like a eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper that had some questions on it. Like, oh, what was one? Who were you before the world told you who you would be? <laughs> yes, that was it. That was it. And the guy was having a really hard time understanding it and. He asked me, and I went right into, like, I was like, oh, yeah, I got this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know who I am. And I actually, I'm kind of like you, I'm like, oh, I'm no longer who the world told me I should be. I am now who I was back then, who I thought I should be, who I forgot to be. And I think, um, I think so often in modern world, in the Western world especially, we're told as we, as we become young adults, we're told what we should be mm-hmm. by the world around us. And yes. so we think... That's the path that we need to go on. And that definitely, to me, that quote came from Catherine. Um, I can't remember who, um, where she got it from, but it was written on that paper. And that quote, to me, was the most meaningful as far as the ordinary world goes. Because that is what people, I wanted people to experience, is who were you before the world told you who you would be? This is your participation experience that you can figure this out in a very safe environment yeah. and that's yeah. what and that's why I had that written on there that was specifically those papers were for the ordinary world performance that was the dedication to the Matthew Shepard Foundation so I had a few different versions of those papers going around okay okay yeah we didn't talk about the Matthew Shepard so mm-hmm. you guys did this event uh, also as a fundraiser mm-hmm. for the Matthew Shepard Foundation and do you plan to continue on with all your events to have some sort of like charitable element? We do, absolutely, 100%. So we are already looking for our next um, charitable um, nonprofit that would like to, you know, um, work with us. Mm-hmm. And we hope that uh, Matthew Shepard Foundation will work with us again. Cool. Uh, they are very lovely people. Yeah, that's good to hear. Mm-hmm. That's good to hear. What's next? What are you working on now? Right now, we are looking at throwing another event um, in the next couple months called Winter is Coming, um, possibly a Game of Thrones Nordic experience themed party. And um, I've also been looking at maybe getting into more event planning with some of the large corporations to have some work in between. And hopefully people saw what we could do and will be inspired and want us to be involved in their in their parties. And I also want to do more immersive um, activity, you know, experiences with um, some of my actors and really develop um, a really amazing dream team like we just had and and really go forward with this on a quarterly basis yeah so let me ask you sunday morning take you back a little bit sunday morning vents over maybe sunday afternoon i don't know when you woke up or when you got but what was the first thing you thought of when you woke up the next day oh gosh it was such a blur um we were on such a high from the night before and i just remember wanting to be around people and my operations manager Angel Granary was staying with me and I think I had a few other people come over and we just reminisced about the event and my feeling was I cannot believe we pulled that off to the scale that we did <laughs> <laughs> I mean I was just and then I was really sad that it was over because that was my baby like I was I had mic- I very postpartum blues with it and I had mixed feelings of wow this was amazing and it went off swimmingly and it was a success and then oh my gosh what am I going to do now it's done and I'm so used to waking up and working on it and now I don't have that anymore so yeah. <laughs> so that's why you're ready to dive into the next yes one. Get great I worked yeah I mean I actually have been working non-stop since you know Sunday the next day because I just 
I didn't want to be stagnant and be depressed. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you birthed your child. And I did. I was now like, it's oh, gone into the world. It's gone in the world. So, you know, it's great talking with um, professionals like Catherine Crockett because I, you know, her and I spoke about that. And she told me that that's how she feels after her performances as well. And um, the difference is that she's got other things lined up or me, I'm having to now create again, something right. else. And, you know, I don't just have people knocking on my doors yet because they don't know who Moxie is yet. So yeah. hopefully that'll change. Sure. Let's make that happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Any last thoughts or piece of advice or words that you want to share with my audience? Um, I would love just to say that although I produced the show, it was not a one man show in the respect that, um, I could take all the credit for. I really had such a dream team and a collaboration of just such amazing artists that I have thanked from the bottom of my heart to have been involved in this. I just want to give a shout out to Dance's Love, um, my favorite little girl, Pi. She was just rocking the pop and lock hip hop group. And I want to give a shout out to Moth Poetic Circus for you know, Dina Markham for just bringing in the most amazing talent from Cirque du Soleil to Catherine Crockett, and as well as my actresses, Janet Gunther and Erica Navarrete. And I'm sure I'm missing certain people, but um, gosh, you know, my DJ, Jay Adore, she's just, she really lives up to her name. I like absolutely adore her. <laughs> DJ Jay Adore uh -huh. is fabulous. She's, she's really good. Yeah. And again, you know, a lot. I could have probably gotten like the most, you know, famous DJ to come, but it was actually more important for me to get people that I really connected with and that knew that, okay, this was hard work. Like people don't realize that with the DJ, I mean, Jenny, I mean, she, she and I put a lot of work with the music. I mean, just for a transition of a song from a performance to a dance piece and then back, we, we had to talk to, we had to coordinate with four different people. We had to coordinate with the performer, the lighting guy, Scott Heidelman, who's amazing, and we had to you know coordinate with her and me. I mean, it was quite a production for just three seconds of a song, and so I don't know that a lot of other DJs could have really pulled that off, so... Thank you, Jenny. <laughs> yeah, to her to her credit, I was very impressed with the transitions from the music. Like mm -hmm. you know, it's one thing, like you said, to just uh, blend one song to the next and keep mm -hmm. that keep the party going. But then all of a sudden, the blending happened and there was a performance. Yeah, and the music it it was a smooth transition. The mm -hmm. music never stopped. Right. And so she did a really good job. All of a sudden, <laughs> I could tell she was doing something, and then like all of a sudden, there's performance there. Right. Like, oh, we're starting the next piece because. And she just flawlessly put it together. Absolutely. And and the thing that about a DJ, and I'm also learning this world, is that they just have their own, they just have a list that they go off of, and they just usually show up and they play their music. And we, I mean, her and I had to really have extensive conversations on the songs and transitions and she and I don't like I said I don't know that another DJ would have one had the patience for that yeah. <laughs> or wanted to do it or two had the skill set to do so and she really proved herself so she's um, yeah one of a kind and just a great person too again I've got great people that I worked with and just great people as you know Scott you know my lighting guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Scott's fabulous I mean I know Scott I know Jenny I knew one of the performers actually oh did you which um, one uh, uh, her name escapes me at this point, but um, was she um, Ariel. She or? was one of the kind of the at the end. She uh -huh. was one of the dancers that danced around the circle at the bottom. Um, huh. Gosh, oh, I don't Sarah? Was it she, Sarah? No. 
uh, Pi from Dances Love. It wasn't Pi. Okay. But she recognized me before oh, I recognized her, and she was like, "Hey." Oh. Um, yeah. That's so great. we had a great group of people Thank there. Thank you. So if people want to get a hold of you, the website is eventsmoxie.com. Is correct. that correct? Mm-hmm. So, and I'm sure you could probably at this point Google Moxie Lux Productions and. Yeah, so there's, um, we've got a Facebook page, Moxie Lux, you can um, look us up there, and then we also have, our hashtag is Moxie Lux, and it could be our hashtag is also Moxie underscore Lux. <laughs> we had a couple issues with our Instagram situation, so we probably have multiple accounts, but you will be able to find us. Okay. Ordinary World pictures are up, so we've got those, and um, we are in the process of making a commercial from Noir Concepts from the night, um, Ordinary World. So that should cool. be coming up in the next probably week or two, I would say. Okay. Well, Kara Dupree, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank I really appreciate you being me. here and, thank and you. chatting about the event side of, event production side of the art world. So. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Are you ready to experience more Moxie? For those listeners who will be in the Denver area, on January 20th, 2018, you will not want to miss their next event. Moxie Lux presents The Dark Fairy Tale. Imagine a place where practical meets peculiar, where mystery meets magic. This is an all-inclusive event where guests will dance, sip, and savor some of Denver's finest. You'll interact with dancers, performers, and artists as they create vignettes, stories, and unforgettable experiences right before your eyes. And as a special bonus to podcast listeners, use the promo code CRAVE when purchasing tickets for $10 off your order. Just go to eventsmoxie.com where you can learn all about the event and purchase your tickets. Once again, use the promo code CRAVE to get $10 off your order. We'll see all our podcast listeners there on January 20th, 2018. The music for episode 11 was brought to you by DJ Jayador. Check out her music on Facebook or on her website at dj-jador.com. That's dj-jador.com. Thank you for listening to the Crave Magazine Podcast. I am Jim Wills, your host and producer for this episode, and I am on a mission to bring art back to the world. With your help, we can make that happen. So please take a moment to leave a positive review for us on iTunes. And if you like what you heard, even more importantly, tell your friends. If there's something that we can do better, by all means, let us know. And if you are an artist or even just want to hear from a favorite artist, well, send us a message. We are putting this show out for all of us who love and appreciate the arts. So tell us how we can improve. Remember, always be good to one another. And of course, take time to feed your soul with art.